I'm going to kind of switch gears here, but it's also related. Um, basically. Basically related. <laughs> ha. Um, I was, uh, I'm subscribed to After Babel, which is Jonathan Haidt's Substack, and he recently had a guest, uh, I guess, a guest submission by Jean uh, Twangy. She wrote uh, iGen, which I, I read a few years ago. It's about uh, kind of generational habits and trends among Gen Z. Mm-hmm. But I, I was reading iGen at the same time as I, I was reading uh, Coddling of the American Mind, and they uh, they actually work together. And he, Jonathan Haidt, quotes her. But uh, in this uh, submission, um, it's titled "The Mental Health Crisis Has Hit Millennials: Why It Happened and Why It's Bad for Democracy." Hmm. So she goes through um, just a little bit about her book, but then she says that she's interested in in three questions in the book, but also in this. Uh, submission to Substack. One, are adults more likely to suffer from depression in recent years? If so, two, if so, what are the consequences uh, of the rise of depression for democracy and society? And then three, uh, if so, what are the causes of the rise in depression in teens and adults? Mm. So it seems like in the first question, to kind of summarize and make, you know, for the sake of brevity, uh, that Depression in teens isn't obviously anything new, and even into your 20s isn't anything new. But her main issue or her main concern is that it seems like the mental health crisis in teens, uh, especially in Gen Z teens, has spread to Gen Z adults Mm -hmm. and then from Gen Z adults to millennials. Mm. And that's a concern is that there are people who are now getting into their late 20s and 30s who are showing signs of high anxiety and depression right? at a time when you are supposed to be settling into your career and starting a family. Mm-hmm. So if you're depressed, highly depressed, w- with a family, that's going to trickle down to your family. Mm. Right. So she's saying, you know, now we're seeing it much more in adults and in teens. Um, so she's saying that, like, it, it, it always would occur in teens, but then it would kind of phase out as they got it, it seems to adulthood. Like, yeah, it seems like she's kind of... You know, making this argument that uh, teen depression and, and and such is is kind of all. I mean, that's all that's been on the rise, mm-hmm. you know, across the board. Mm-hmm. But there was maybe a fading out, and the hope mm-hmm. was that millennials would you know settle into a career, settle into life, settle into yep. family, uh, family life, and would be fine. Mm-hmm. That maybe they might move on from depression, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or you know, like they might find a meaningful yeah. life. Mm-hmm. I should say that yeah. that would be a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the article now and looking at that graph she put of the. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot there. Depressive episodes. Um, right. It's pretty stark. Yeah. Increase since what it looks like 2010, 2011 is where it starts to pick up. Yep. That's wild. Yep. Uh. So um, you know, she said, yeah, it's kind of like spreading. It seems mm-hmm. like the ec- epidemic is spreading like a cancer. So mm-hmm. for number two, which I thought this was an interesting question that I hadn't really considered, but you know, what what are the consequences for depression mm. on, uh, or or what what consequences does depression have on democracy and society? Mm. Right. I think sometimes we think about society, but not so much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you're depressed, why does that matter for democracy? Right. Right. Um, yeah. But she says that, uh, you know, we think of depression in terms of emotions, sadness, de- uh, despondency, worry. Um, but she said, actually, and this was uh, kind of interesting, 
was um, cognitive behavioral therapists sometimes see it uh, as more depression as shaping perception uh, than perception shaping depressive outlooks. Mm. Um, she says, for example, although teens, uh, pessimism sometimes spikes during difficult moments, uh, you know, such as high crime in the 90s, the first survey after the 9-11 attacks saw an all-time low in pessimism among teens. Interesting. Uh, likewise, instead of declining when the U.S. economy went on a tear from 2012 mm-hmm. to 2019, pessimism went up, mm. which is kind yeah. of like the old, like, uh, the old saying, like, good times, you know, kind of. Make you soft, man. Make, make, yeah, yeah. Make, almost mm-hmm. make you soft as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, toughening you up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps there's too much, <laughs> too yeah, much yeah. going around. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and, and she goes on um, to talk about uh, negativity uh, being displayed differently on the political left and the political right, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. Um, that the, it's more common on the left, but there's a variation on the right. So uh, on the right, it appears as this country is going to hell in a handbasket because of liberals, that kind of narrative. Mm. It's the, the mm-hmm. fear of drag queens yeah. are coming for your children. It's saying that crime has risen uh, because of liberal controlled big cities, you know, or, or those those big cities are controlled by liberals, therefore they don't know what they're doing. Um, the idea of war on Christmas, she said, and this is kind of fuels the like "Make America Great" narrative. Mm-hmm. Is that the pessimism isn't so much that on the left the pessimism is the founding fathers are corrupt, right? And she cites some examples of that among Gen Z. Is like, well, the uh, the younger generation thinks that America is fundamentally bad, mm-hmm. whereas. Um, I think on the right, it's no, America's good. You're making it bad. Yeah. So my right. pessimism is against the yeah. left. Both are pessimistic. <laughs> well, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a fair yeah. balancing is yeah, that it's sure. not, perhaps it's more pervasive on the left, uh-huh. but it's not as though the right doesn't have it. Right. Yeah. Um, it just takes a different form. Um, mm. But she said, no matter its political origin, persuade, uh, per- pervasive negativity, especially if it is paired with a sense of hopelessness. Is problematic for maintaining a, sta- a stable society. Mm-hmm. For democracy to thrive, it helps if its citizens believe one, the system is reasonably fair; two, the government functions reasonably well; and three, that the country was founded on good people with good intentions. Right. To which Gen Z believes none of these. Yep. The system is not fair. Mm-hmm. The gov- the government is corrupt, and our founders were villains. That's the language that mm-hmm. that she uses. Um, for people, for young people's view, yep. Uh, you know, if young people are so negative about the country, like what's what's going to happen next? Essentially, so um, as she said, negativity isn't always bad. You know, but if it's so pervasive and it's if it's tied with a sense of nihilism, she says, well, how do we? <laughs> how do you have a stable society mm-hmm. if 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 it's rotten to the core? What's the only an- the the answer is to demolish it. it goes yeah, back right. to what we were talking about with Martin Luther. Actually, it's like mm-hmm. if if this whole thing cannot be salvaged, what do you do? Yeah, start from ground zero. Right, yeah. you, you burn it down and build something yeah. new. Um, uh, so she, she says, you know, moving on to the, que- the question three, um, what are the causes for this? And, you know, she goes through some of the, the usual, um, something that she and Jonathan uh, Haidt also talk about, which <clears throat> is, you know, the rise of social media, right. yeah, the yeah. rise of <laughs> smartphones. Mm-hmm. Um, she said... Uh, depression among millennials wasn't due to Donald Trump because yeah, uh, yeah. it started before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also occurring in red and blue states. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, this is, this is, I think, possible that maybe things have become so politically polarized and so partisan 
that it's literally depressing. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know what? I, I, there could be some truth to that. Um, uh, mm. So that's her theory A, she says. Theory A is, you know, perhaps social media. Perhaps right. social polarization is getting so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- uh, you know, and then also kind of uh, the rise of um, everything that happened in 2020, mm-hmm. the you know, BLM movement, um, the woke movement as yeah. we talked about. Although one would argue that, like, you couldn't have – you couldn't have that be as effective, like with what everything that happened from 2020 till now, unless you had like the kindling to light that fire. Oh yeah. So like to her to her point, and then you know even per these graphs, all of this stuff was like setting the seed in like at least 2010. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of blew up. So like again to her point, like when she was like, yeah, it's not Donald Trump that's making anyone depressed. It's like yeah, Donald Trump is kind of like a symptom of. <laughs> Oh, right. Something yeah. underneath right. that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, even if you take the like point of view that he empowered uh, white nationalists or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, well, why, why why, were they apparently there to be? Like, why did that like pop up so powerfully? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. It's like, was there just a kindling there? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, or even like just any sort of resentment, like mm-hmm. widespread resentment towards Obama, <laughs> mm-hmm. towards the left, towards yeah. Democrats. It's like, well... Uh, you know, maybe he was just a figurehead for that. Um, huh. But yeah, so yeah, she she ends with this this idea that you know many millennials and Gen Z really hopped on the the sort of social justice movement um, in the last few years. Um, but mm-hmm. she she ends it with, uh, but but why would a focus on social justice lead to more depression? Wouldn't coming together with like minded people be a cause to lead to less depression? Mm-hmm. And she said, those are questions I can't answer. And she said, so her final question. So I pull it to you. Why do you think 26 to 34-year-old Americans become more depressed after 2015? Yeah, that's interesting. I think so that's, this... that's actually like what I mm-hmm. wanted to focus on was, yeah. this, was this here said theory B, which was something else. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. wh- like why is it um, that this is happening? And, you know, I, I just listened to a podcast that talked about a little bit about the fall of Rome. And it was like, one of the difficult questions that historians are asked is what caused, like, what is the reason for the cause of the fall of Rome? Yep. And most historians say that's almost impossible to answer because there's over 200 reasons why yeah. the yeah, Roman yeah. Empire right. fell. I was so, going to say, it's kind of on the, on the same lines of like, is it social media? It's like, social media is so multifaceted yeah. that it's like, it depends on what angle you're taking. It probably is social media, <laughs> but not because like it's some demon thing. I think it's more technology at large. As someone said, technology not in general, like the media. spread of information, the, yeah. the amount of misinformation or whatever it is, like the social contagion of like being on uh, a device and not in real life, like all of that. Yeah, There's it, like 200 yeah. reasons why social media is bad. Yeah, but that's, that, I think yeah. that you can make distinctions between you know, social media and then like at large is technology. But I also think that there's this underlying narrative of um, in order for me to be happy, I just have to do what I want. And there's been, I think that that's connected to the, um, like the job crisis that we're facing. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to work. Mm -hmm. And it's just a sense of like, I can just be at home and be happy. Right. And then, but it's actually causing them, not to be happy. Right. But, <laughs> I but, think that the the connection that's interesting um, is the social justice, the rise in social justice among Gen Z, and how that's. It seems like it's not bringing down depression, but actually, mm-hmm. not the, not the opposite. The yeah. correlation is there. Right. I don't know if that's a, a, a causation, but I, I do think that 
what these social justice um, frameworks uh, typically, how they typically operate, is that you are upset at the system, and so you rally together to be upset at the system while not actually doing any changes. So that doesn't bring you meaning, mm-hmm. right? That just makes you upset at the system, right? While you're on your sitting on your parents' sofa, right? So of course, like of course, like coming together in a typical, you know, I'm generalizing here, but in a typical social social justice movement, um, just seems to uh, all it does is seem to it seems to cause sadness at the current state of the country mm-hmm. without actually bringing you any. Uh, motive to act right of course it's going to bring depression mm-hmm. and like you know those two examples that you said was it after 9 11 uh where people actually were less depressed was that the uh pessimism was yeah was was not at an all-time high mm-hmm. compared yeah. comparable to other um, and so i feel like there's there could be like when you attach yourself to real movements and like what's really happening in the world um and you actually take act like when you actually take action, um, that th- there's no room for depression. You know, like when a man goes to war, he's not going to be depressed. You know, mm. he's, he's yeah. So uh, that, that's what I, I that's that was my first thought on this social justice um, movement. Yeah, it seems like the social justice thing get, gets lost when it's not like in line with reality, right? So mm-hmm. if your plan to fix things is somehow utopian then you're always going to be depressed because you can't make you that. can't actually make that happen even if yeah. you were like an activist and really doing something and trying to push laws and and you know whatever like if it's based on an ideology that doesn't actually work in real life then you're it's never not, you're never going to see you're success not gonna, right you're not going to mm-hmm. see success but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be i mean like you know i don't i don't think it's right to say like oh marx was depressed <laughs> Like, is that wrong to say? I, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds depressing. Um, no, but like, you know, even if you have um, goals that are misguided um, or working under frameworks that are um, don't adhere to reality, um, yeah. it, you know, per se, um, that doesn't necessarily, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a <laughs> sociologist. Uh, it's hard to speak. I'm just speaking on from what I can yeah. observe. Um, but I feel like Depression is linked to an act uh, uh, to um, a lack of meaning, mm-hmm. um, and not not so much um, a lack of like a lack of adherence to um, or an adherence to a false ideology. Yeah, but what you're not understanding mm-hmm. is that meaning is the meeting of your ideas and reality. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. it's like insofar as that you participate in the world. And you bring your ideas in the abstract and then embody them. That's what gives you meaning. So, yeah. so if there's a gap there, then you're not going to find meaning. You're going to be depressed. Right. But let's, let's just say if like, you know, in, in, in an abstract example, um, one country is going to war with another. And, you know, each, each country re- represents totally different ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think it would be – I think it would be reasonable to say that um, let's say the, the, the country, the, 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 the army – that's fighting for the country with the wrong ideology. That's not adhering to a reality. Are not depressed. Are not depressed. I think that they can sure. find meaning in fighting for mm-hmm. their country. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I was just seeing like this, the lack of, um, just the lack of meaning that um, our, our uh, Gen Z, some millennials are facing. 
um, it just seems to a, a lack of um, uh, action and, and responsibility. And this is something that Peterson has brought up a thousand mm-hmm. times. Um, now, like instead of pursuing happiness, and he, he you know, he means pleasure in, in that in that sense. Um, pursue meaning and responsibility, mm-hmm. and I think that that will wake up a lot of people in uh, from their depression, yeah. as it were. It seems that like normally. The way that you would expect it to work is that you kind of grow up in a little bit of a bubble because that's the nature of growing up. Uh, and maybe you're a little depressed. Maybe you're like a little existentially angst. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually life hits you and you have to like get up and do something. And then your depression fades. Um but the the fact that people are still getting up and doing something and then are still depressed, like what is that? Mm, That's yeah. the, so it's yeah, like it's what clearly it's clearly not good enough, right? So right. obviously, so but if you use the example of like yeah, well, if you kind of bubble your uh, teen child in their life uh, while they're at home and don't show them reality, they're not going to like have meaning in life. That they're, they're going to be depressed. They're not going to know mm-hmm. what life's about. And like during those years, it's going to be very hard for them regardless of what they do, if you don't expose them to that reality. So if that's happening into adulthood, they and these people are leaving their house and they're still depressed, what system above individual adults is is restraining reality from being exposed to them? It's like now you get into like why, this is why democracy doesn't work. It's because it's bigger systems in the community are restraining people from seeing reality as it is. Mm-hmm. And it could be something like social media. Like social media is taking you out of an embodied world and so it's like being at home as a 17-year-old and, and your yeah. parents are paying for everything. Like it's, right. Right. it's the same kind of drama except at, a, at an adult level. And it's, and it's more pre- prevalent now because of things like social media. Yeah. I mean, one thing that she really hits in her article is the, the correlation between the rise in depression and the decrease in socialization. Mm. Like as, as people socialize less, they become more depressed. And of course, part of that factor is social media. Mm-hmm. As you're saying, like it's not you're not actually interacting with reality. You're interacting yeah. through a screen with your friends, right? And yeah. um, so, so go, tying that to uh, sort of the activism is is uh, one reason why maybe there's some depression is like the lost art of friendship. Mm. You know, like like your allies are not your friends. Yeah. Right. So, so, like, yeah, yeah. like you, like oh, we we're both activists together. Mm-hmm. It's like, but is, is that friendship? Right. Is yeah. that enough to, um, like bind you together with something, truly mm-hmm. meaningful? I, yeah. I, I I don't yeah. know. It it seems like some some like activist friendships are are more like, uh, the friends in um, uh, 1984. It's mm-hmm. like they're they're almost like on edge that if yeah. you say something wrong. You're gone. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Yeah. It's like if you're just out to to tear everything down, then people who also want to do that, you see a kinship with, but that transcendence is like nothing. Right. Yeah, well, that's interesting because like from a strictly like Aristotelian perspective, wouldn't – like help me work through this. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aristotle will say that um, a friendship is built off of a transcendent third. Yeah, so, right. And yeah. so if, you know, two people are gathering over something that they're passionate about, it would seem like that would be grounds for a friendship. You know, like you're passionate about this and I'm passionate about that too. Like that's our bond, right? Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think as Aristotle would say, like the, the higher quality that transcendent third is, um, the more potential 
that that friendship has to strengthen or deepen, mm-hmm. right? And so, like you know, the 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 friendship of a friendship over the transcendent third that's the good, mm-hmm. like God, right, mm-hmm. would be could potentially become like the best kind of friendship, right? Yeah. Um, I want to come. I want to. I want to hit on that point. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, like you said, that the highest thing should be the thing mm-hmm. that unites yeah. them. So, um, I've been thinking about like Jung's epistemology, right? And so. Uh, his epistemology and archetypes. So God as an archetype means not necessarily that God is only an archetype mm-hmm. or that, uh, or, or even saying anything about his nature, but that there is a, a pre-existing category in your psyche for that which is the highest, mm-hmm. which is typically God. Yeah. So if you put something in that category, though, that is not God, it won't fulfill the the necessary requirements yeah, because yep. you, if God's in that category, you know, the, the, typically speaking, it's God is infinite. Mm-hmm. So therefore right. from God, you can like, everything can flow from right. that point, yeah. from the value yeah. of the, the yeah. highest. Without being diminished. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it can go, it can trickle down into again, what time you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. But if you place the destruction of America <laughs> as the highest value, yeah. 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 What, what, well, what then? Like yeah. what, when it happens, Right. What? What then? What, yeah. what do we do then? It, even, it seems like if you put anything that's finite in that category, it's not going to hold. It's not even having hold, uh, yeah, even yeah. having something positive, yeah. like at a tennis that's, club or something. Like all my friends are just people that have played tennis, and that's where my friends are. Eventually, you'll be like, I kind of feel like I want something more. Yeah. You Maybe should. you should. But, yeah, because yeah, the thing is, sometimes sometimes life is too uh, taxing. To worry about such things, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying like if it's like, oh yeah, like I'm trying to make ends meet, and like I get a little bit of a break, and I go like play some sports with some friends, and that's where my friend group is. You don't really have time to think about whether or not that's bothering you. So you're not in such an mm-hmm. existential crisis. But again, with the advancement of technology and the fact that we like, there's so many things in our life that are so easy to do, and we're becoming richer as a society. Like on the whole, it means that we have less restricting things that are on our mind as to like just life necessities of survival. And so now something like a tennis friend is like not enough. Like it's causing this crisis of like, I need something more. Like Mm -hmm. they're realizing that archetype of God at the top being like, there needs to be something bigger than this ultimately. Yeah. 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 Well, and another issue is that um, I think nowadays we've cheapened the word friend. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I have a thousand friends mm-hmm. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, or it's like, you know, you meet somebody in your, you know, uh, like, you know, a typical, stereotypical youth group pastor. After you meet him, he's calling you friend for the next, like, you know, mm-hmm. hour. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. friend. Like, hey, buddy. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's like, what is a friend? Like, I think, yeah. you know, people just say like, oh, it's someone I just met. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, a so- social. I've never seen him in, in before, mm-hmm. but he's a friend on Facebook, like I said. So, like, the idea of like, a friend, classically, going back to Aristotle, is, like, someone that's, like, absolutely necessary. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. like, a bond that you can't, that, that transcends, like, what we're experiencing now with, like, social media yeah. and all that stuff. It is interesting so. to see how Facebook went, like, Facebook goes to, like, how many friends do you have? And then, like, something like Instagram is, like, how many followers do you have? Yeah. And it's, it is something mm-hmm. about, like, a, like, you've just, first you've, like, you utilitarianly, categorized your friend as a thing that gets you likes and views, right? Just like on social media. But then it just became like, you're not even in relationship with them, but you're above them and they follow you. 
mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like if you if that's yeah. your only interaction with other people, then you don't even know what that like horizontal relationship is like. Yeah. You think it's vertical. Yeah. How many disciples do you have? It's literally <laughs> we, we follow each other. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Jesus has twelve followers. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but going back to you know um, putting God at that um, the top of your hierarchy and like filling that um, hierarchical space um, that only God can fill. If you put it with something else, that disorients your entire life, as you were saying. Um, but now, I guess so. So, would your connection be then, or your conclusion be, like you don't have the capacity then to actually establish a friendship of the good, according to Aristotle? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, yeah that's yeah. what that's what I was trying to say. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, it seems like it's it it would kind of um, almost like frustrate the relationship. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. or it would um. Like it'd be very limited and mm-hmm. diminished, as you, mm-hmm. as Matt's yeah, example. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm trying to, because it seems like I don't want to get into like blanket statements where it's like, sure, you know, it, like atheists then can't have yeah, deep yeah. friendships, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, or something sure. like that, sure. yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like you know, when you when you go through it step by step, mm-hmm. rationally, like in, you know, um, with taking Aristotle and right the archetypes, all these things. It seems like it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and this could be well, Peterson's like, you act as if yeah. kind of trope. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas like, you act as if there's a transcendent like thing that's way beyond even a, like, you know, a hobby yeah. that you have with friends that you feel like is a transcendent. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. So I I think from, from Jung's perspective, something fills the God archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something of highest value right. that you can work with, but, you know, working with like, you know, St. Paul. You know, their God is their belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's the highest thing. Then, like right, something yeah. will fill the place. But right. I, I, think, I guess my point to that is: is it enough to sustain a meaningful life? Yeah, and have, um, uh-huh. I guess, friendships that are truly about this transcendent third, as opposed right. to just um, limited, I guess, goals. Yeah, or I, materialistic yeah. goals. Because I, I can see, um, like you know, let's just say two friends are bonding all over tennis, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. and like that's their transcendent third. Uh, it, you know, yeah, tennis is not going to fulfill that God-shaped hole that you have in your mm-hmm. heart, obviously. But as that friendship deepens over tennis, it has a potential to transcend tennis. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the mm-hmm. two guys are now talking about their families. Yeah, right. And then they're confiding in each other mm-hmm. and sharing secrets mm-hmm. and like, hey, I'm struggling with mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. and so. Maybe it's un- unconsciously, um, but they're transcending tennis yeah. to where something actually matters more than tennis, Correct. which is mm-hmm. then like themselves, yeah. right? And yeah. um, just because you have a friend that you meet to play tennis doesn't mean that that's the transcendent right. thing. And it's it subsumes the tennis as a transcendent <laughs> yeah, yeah. third, right? Right, right. Um, but it actually it, it goes beyond it too. Uh-huh. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't think you could also like you know <laughs> go up to like two guys playing tennis. Are you guys really happy? <laughs> yeah, don't you feel right. depressed? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What the hell are you talking about? They could. I mean, they could fall into what is it? The friendship of pleasure? Is it? Yeah. One of them. Uh, or mm-hmm. just like yeah, friendship the... of um, I guess it would be pleasure, right? Is that mm-hmm. the category? It's friendship of utility, friendship of the good, and then mm-hmm. friendship of pleasure. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds right. Um, but I think it's friendship of the good. Also has those other. Um, for sure uh, the, yeah, the yeah. other yeah. levels of friendship mm-hmm. too um so i i, I don't know yeah. again th- i agree with you i don't want to speak in too too uh broad 
of strokes. Yeah. But it, it, I always get this sense, though, from some of like uh, these like activist groups that um, they're very distrust, distru- uh, distrusting mm-hmm. of each other. Mm. Like I said, yeah. it, it has this, again, like the, the 1984, like, yeah. I'm waiting. Like, if you misspeak, I will report you. Right yeah. to the to, to the Inquisition. Well, that, kind of thing. Like, if, but, if that's the case, and that's not a friendship at all, really. I mean, I, I could be I could be totally wrong, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's like, some people like that. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Yeah. And like every single yeah. person's yeah. like that. No, yeah. but it's almost it, like an inverted friendship. Like it's like when you say like the trans. What was it? The friendship of the good. Mm-hmm. It's like transcend the the friendship of the bad is not actually a category. <laughs> so it's like an inverted <laughs> thing. Yeah, you know yeah saying right. like if you both hate something, <clears throat> that's not friendship. That's something else. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's like a conspiracy. Well, and, and well, that's yeah, that's actually a really good point because in order to bond, in, in order to have a friendship, there has to be again a transcendent third that is good, not capital G, but at least mm-hmm. lowercase g. Mm-hmm. Like tennis is a good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you're bonding over um, something that you hate, right? Then what is what is the positive thing that you're bonding right. over? You can't right. yeah. bond mm-hmm. over a negative, and so. And that, but that's the problem with um, uh, you know, leftist ideology is that they want to tear down without proposing something good to put mm-hmm. in. Right. So from you're, the you're, start, you're they're cursed that... to not have a friendship of the good, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Uh, of a good at least. You do see that on both sides, though. Like this has like been Clavin's whole pitch that conservatives need to come up with w- the why they're doing right. things. Yeah. Things are not just to own the libs, because then you're just hating. Like that is yeah. not the formation of a society. Um, yeah. Under like a transcendent thing, that's mm-hmm. a negative thing. Yeah, yeah. I, because if you if you take if you take what Tang, uh, uh, what's her name? The author was, of this yeah, article. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Right? Um, I don't have it. I got uh, it. Jean. Oh, Jean. Jean. Twenge. Tangy. Yeah. Sorry. Twenge. Sorry. Sorry, Jean. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry about that. I, I was just thinking something else. And then, yeah. Um, but if if you take what she's saying seriously and like at the root of some of this is like this sense of hopelessness and nihilism. So mm-hmm. how can you really be moved to action if that's at the base of all of it? Yeah. Well, right. yeah. And, it and, is, and is hope like, by, its, by its very nature needs to be uh, driving towards something tangible. Right. Well, you know, right. hope like uh, would I would think impels you towards action and to do something of a better vision of the future but yeah. if you're saying well this is hopelessly it's so hopelessly corrupt that i might not even do anything about it yeah it's like uh, well how is that gonna and then you find someone else who says you know what i agree this, right it, like i'm like i agree i'm, <laughs> I'm completely also despairing <laughs> right i am also despairing it's like i how how can that be a productive hope uh joyful yeah mm-hmm. uh no, no no that's like yeah, that's how can a... i give you a joyful life I no, guess. that's exactly right and because if you are if you're so hopeless then that means that you're not even um, visualizing um, what a future could be like, mm-hmm. a good future, yeah. right? Right. Um, so it seems like that's like fundamental to that um, worldview. Yeah. You just like you you don't have a vision of anything good. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, if if you take the idea that uh, what underlines some what underlies some of these movements is a Marxist ideology or an unconscious Marxist ideology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. This these this is his philosophy, not yeah. mine. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's right. it's nihilistic mm-hmm. and and materialistic. Yeah. yeah. At the end, it, there there is no transcendent principles. Right. It's just a an eternal cycle of haves and have nots, 
and it and an eternal cycle of revolution. Yeah, and this is just I'm I'm just working through this now. Like you know, even because the thing is like these these are like the um the the radical um ideologues that mm-hmm. are really you know might be a little bit more conscious of this philosophy yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> than I think um a lot of people who are just you know they're for lack of a better term to put it crudely um they're blinded mm-hmm. and, and they think that they're fighting for unity right? right or and so like they can claim like oh i just want tolerance and yeah, i yeah. want um unity to mm-hmm. be our uh, that's the good equity but it, but but if you <laughs> right. dig deeper it's like well the thing that unifies you is that your is your diversity mm-hmm. which is like a mm-hmm. that's almost like a i guess would that be like an infinite loop or like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, if if you're just um defined by um, getting rid of the uh, the basic structures that yeah. we grew up on, and you just want to be something different, and then claim that we're united because we're different. Right. Then it's like, where's the, where's the good in that? Mm-hmm. And so again, you go back to um, square one. Yeah. It's like, what's the good that we're bonding over? Yeah, I was thinking about her point too about when you were you mentioned like a worldview, um, because she said. For a democracy to thrive, it helps if its citizens believe that, one, the system is reasonably fair, two, the government functions reasonably well, and three, th- that the country was founded by good people with good intentions. I feel like more broadly, you have to uh, like assume that of life, that life is reasonably fair, as in like not yeah. random. Yeah. Um, the, the world functions reasonably well, and it was created good. With good intentions, mm. you know what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like if you if you don't even have that, forget democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like this is this is bleeding into like more of a again worldview as opposed to like yeah. well if we explain to them how democracy works, it's like first you got to start with the foundation of like life itself is good yeah. and noble and worth yeah. pursuing right. and fighting for. Yeah, Jonathan Haidt talks about that in Coddling the American Mind that you know now people are encouraged to not assume the best. Right in people, yeah. you know the the rise of microaggressions. Yeah, that if somebody asks where are you from, mm-hmm. what they're saying is you don't belong here, mm-hmm. as opposed to just maybe yeah. like oh, right. I just want to know where you're yeah, from. Yeah, I just want to know where you're from. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. So it's again at, like going to your point about uh, like bad intentions. Mm-hmm. We're being encouraged yeah. to to think that, but right. it's almost uh, mm-hmm. to your broader point though. It goes back to like the Gnostic conversation. It's mm-hmm. like the world was created by an evil demiurge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, right, it's like life sure. itself is evil, uh-huh. um, and yeah, you, know, you got to transcend this thing almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it also bleeds yeah. into like that hermeneutic of suspicion. Like you see that everywhere. Like that's what's causing yeah. everything. But again, like most people don't know that consciously. Sure. But right. Well, I think that. But like even I mean, some people that are really struggling with depression, it wouldn't be, you know, I think it would be reasonable to to, to think that they're resting on this idea that life is not fair. Sure. Life's yeah. not fair. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. how many, like we've heard that all the time. Mm-hmm. Life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. And I think like to certain, to a certain extent, it's, oh, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. And, and even if, the thing is like, you know, if we're looking, if we're looking, let me get religious here. If we're looking <laughs> at Christ on the cross and we're trying to imitate him um, to be Christians, mm-hmm. like to be good Christians, um, he could have claimed that life is not fair. Right. And maybe he's right to assume that in the sense that, um, like, life is not, um, uh, an, like, a perfect balance of, of like, mm-hmm. good and bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do get belt, dealt yeah. that bad hand. Right. But then, but what um, underlies that is that um, 
the creator is good and fair. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yep. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and it's that distinction between, like, what is life and the fallen world that yep. we live in versus right. um, yeah. providence. and the, Like, there's yeah. a lot of that's distinctions that, that there. That introduces, again, the, like, the idea that you have to have something that transcends the natural, like the supernatural, because we lift up Christ on the cross because life isn't fair. Like, we're like, this is a perfect example that, like, the innocent man was killed. Yeah. So, like, that's what we worship. Why? Yeah. It's like, because there's something after life. There's something that's through, like, beyond this life that is relatively broken. Well, that's really interesting. But then that supernaturalness is fair, is good, and created a world that's good. Right. And that's what what Plato argues when he's, you remember, talking about um, the ideal just man. And then he, like, talks mm -hmm. about how um, he didn't even know he was pointing to Christ, but he gives Uh an example of how... The ideal just man um, to test his justice would uh, be an innocent man who was wrongly condemned and right. scourged and ultimate crucified. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, nice. Um, <laughs> so did he say about, He did. Yeah, he yeah, used that wow. word crucified, which is fascinating. Yeah, but anyway, um, that no, that's exactly right. It's like um, if 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 a man puts justice above uh, um, all values, mm-hmm. then um, that's the good that he's aiming for. That transcends the. Uh, whether or not life is fair right. or unfair, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's something that transcends mm-hmm. um, what happens to him. So yeah, I so I'm glad we we turned towards the the religious question. <laughs> yeah, um, because I I don't um again I recognize that the reason why people by and large might be depressed. It, there's 200 reasons why that yeah. might be the case, mm-hmm. and then within those, there's 200 reasons why you know social media is a reason or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to give your grandmother's answer, but it could be the loss of religion. Mm-hmm. Could it, be. It, it could be because I remember I, in 2015, which is you know when she's talking about why they become mm-hmm. more depressed in that. Uh, 2013 to 2016, I was I was in seminary at that time. Mm-hmm. And of course, the question is, you know, all, all the priests are always talking about how do we get people to come back? Yeah. And why are young people leaving prepare to have mothers tell you that their sons no longer care about you? Oh, you know, all these different mm-hmm. things. So I'm thinking about how can I combat this? How can I help people come back to the church? And I remember a lot of Pew research coming out and such like that in 2015 about the rise of the nuns, right? mm-hmm. the, the non-affiliate, yeah. the rise yeah. of... N-O-N-E-S. Reli- yeah. You're right. The rise of uh, spiritual but not religious. Yep. All, all of that. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think this is maybe the answer. I'm not claiming that. But you got to wonder that there's a, a collapse in the highest value yep. that built Western civilization and... People are being depressed, or people are yeah. widespread depression. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, well, yep. are you settling for aims that are ultimately nihilistic? Right. Is your worldview, whether you know it or not, in the mm-hmm. end, uh, you know, America's hopelessly corrupt? Mm-hmm. Well, that's nihilistic. Yeah. And you will never do anything about it because there's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, right. It's like, and, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, I've got to wonder if you have the, this collapse of this thing that had built all of what we know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. including America, mm-hmm. isn't that going to have yeah. me- like a mental yeah, health effect for sure. on people? Yeah, I, I think, um, and it's like, you know, mental, a mental effect, yes, but I think even deeper, it's more of an existential um, sure, yeah. thing. Um, and, and when we're looking at like depression and anxiety, um, it's very easy to 
cloak these things in a um, clinical kind of way when perhaps the issue is much more existential. Um, you know, it, it might be easy to be like, okay, I diagnose you with, with depression, so take these pills and that'll mm, cure. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we like to treat more of a, a more of an existential crisis mm-hmm. that's going on. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, both Viktor Frankl and Jung said the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Frankl said he's like people come to my office, or they're go they're they're coming to all these um, psychologists and saying, you know, I I have a neurosis, I have a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, you have a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually your problem is that you find that life is meaningless. Right. Yeah. You're not ill. Yeah. You just need to find meaning. And, mm-hmm. and Jung said, you know, all of my patients basically, mm. once they adopted a religious outlook on life, mm. were cured. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it makes sense that if you don't have um, things that are eternal that you're shooting for, um, like we've said it before, death is the end of all things. Yeah. What are we aiming for if, like, if we're just putting our stock in a corruptible world? Right. Yeah. Um, especially if you look out. Towards, um, like, if you have this outlook of um, that life is not fair, uh, it's unjust, and we all die in the end. It's like, yeah, yeah, be depressed. <laughs> Absolutely, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, it, it, it seems to make sense. And, I, of course, like, we're, maybe we're arguing on, on a level of um, um, utility. It's like, you know, religion gives you meaning, but that doesn't disprove religion, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what we talked so, about mm-hmm. like, last week about, mm-hmm. you know, oh, if you adopt religion, you have a healthier right. mindset or yeah. something. And it's yeah. like, well, so religion is only good for that. It's like, well, wait a second. If it, yeah. if it helps you with your life, isn't there pointing to something more? It seems than just, fundamental you know, to human nature. But it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ex- no, exactly. So um, that just, it, it just, it, it makes sense. Yeah, um, at least it's like an initial first step of perhaps mm-hmm. adopting some sort of symbolic life. Yeah. Um, right. Again, you know, ideally the end is like, you know, daily prayer mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, at, at higher levels of spirituality. Yeah. But at yeah. least as a, as a first step to realize you need something eternal. I mean, even Peterson talked about mm-hmm. this with, you know, union archetypes and such. You need something that's infinite and eternal to help you make sense of the sometimes the chaos and meaningless, the seeming the seeming meaning, meaninglessness mm-hmm. of life. Right. And that's why... Um... You know, I, I I do see a correlation between that and and like the rise of um, more tradition in, in some circles of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was an article that I I tried to look up the other day and I couldn't find it and I can, I can't uh, remember the author. Um, but it was after Francis issued the motu proprio, um, kind of um, restricting um, mm-hmm. the celebration of the Latin Mass in some in some um, areas. Uh, this article came out describing uh, the current state of modernity as being listless and depressed and uh, existentially angsty. And he said, this is why people are moving towards a more traditional mm-hmm. mass is because it doesn't resemble anything that's on this earth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's very clear that's like, this is the answer to a life that's, um, technologically like inundated yeah yeah. right um so he he was this article was really exploring um uh the reasons why the latin mass Mm -hmm. uh, was gaining so much traction um and then why francis felt the need to uh, Mm -hmm. clamp down on it um but i think that that's that like that's exactly right is that 
like, you know, the church's response in regard to a rise of depression and listlessness, I think, is um, clamped down on symbols and mystery, mm-hmm. you know, um, like show show people that um, this world is not enough and that yeah. you can actually step out of it when you're stepping into a church. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and and ultimately that's that's kind of a fault of the church a little bit is that um in an effort we I think the church panicked <laughs> when it saw that people were leaving um mm-hmm. you know the faith and um the rise of um materialism and all right. all that you know um we panicked and we're like stay right. well, we can look like the world we too, have an Instagram you know? too yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, right. <laughs> um and so I, I think you know on a certain on a certain level um. I don't want to, you know, just like get super angry at what the church did to yeah. to try and you know keep its members because, uh, you know, it's it's in hi- hindsight's always twenty twenty, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I can I can see like the need for like some you know pastors saying like oh if I you know have a guitar like guitar is cool and that's mm-hmm. what people want on a certain level it's like okay I, I get where you're coming from mm-hmm. but you know you're not looking at this on a deeper level yeah. of like what what people actually need. Um, and again, it's that mm-hmm. stepping out of the world mm-hmm. uh, into a transcendent reality. Um, How does yeah. um, in the article it said something about like perspective affecting depression? Yeah, or depression affecting or depression affecting perspective. Is that like a is that like a CBT versus psychotherapy thing, or yeah. is it le- is it more is there a gradient there? Um, I don't know. Um, because she does mention the uh, CBT observes how depression is also how people think. So by de- by definition, people who are depressed have a ne- negative outlook. Mm-hmm. So um, it's true. Is it is it a negative outlook that leads to depressive thoughts? Right. Like, is or it like a depressive ca- thoughts? Yeah. Is your so depression a cause or is it a symptom? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like Frankel and Jung would say it's a symptom. Right. Oh, know? no. And yeah, not no, the yeah. cause of your perspective, but is your perspective that is causing your depression. Right. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think that's true. Yeah. I think um, they would say that, uh, well, certainly for Jung, if you're depressed, you say in that depression is, is like an answer to the cure. Because then you have to look back of, okay, what, mm-hmm. maybe it is the lack of meaning in my life. Yeah. Maybe that's why, that's why you're depressed. Let's, right. Let's, um. Let's treat that, mm-hmm. the thing that you think is giving you these negative thoughts, right. giving you this um, depressive outlook, as opposed to mm. just um, maybe putting, Yeah. Uh, I, I guess, uh, going deeper than just changing thoughts about reality. Right. A more fundamental reorientation mm-hmm. towards reality right, would right, be right. A, a union perspective of, mm-hmm. of adopting a religious outlook because that's deeper than just, you know, I you know I think life is meaningless. No, tell yourself life is meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. no, no. Adopt a, a, a meaningful reorientation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Instead, a meaningful life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. A whole life, uh-huh. as opposed to right. just changing like, the thoughts. Yeah, that's interesting. I would think, but yeah, that's this uh, depression and anxiety conversation is always so dense. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> just in terms of like you know how multifaceted it is it does really seem like uh like if you zoom out or zoom i don't know what direction you're going to zoom in but no, <laughs> um in or out i don't know yeah if you go on a personal level you see like someone cycling through like a hedonistic life 
as they're growing up in their maybe early 20s and then like land on their feet and have more meaning in their life later on. You see that as like a cycle of a person mm-hmm. of going through anxiety and depression, but then maybe like, yeah, and then I, I found a wife, found kids, I found meaning in them and I'm, I'm less so. It seems like that spiraling into a, a, like our culture is going through that cycle and mm-hmm. we're coming to the end of adolescence mm-hmm. um, of being like, all right, we can't do this anymore. Like we, we have to leave the house. Um, and where do we go? And like, how, how do we find meaning? Um, yeah, it just, it just seems like, like on a cultural level, it's happening. It's definitely like traceable. And the fact that it's accelerating is like a sign that, you know, we're heading towards the end of a civilization and towards the beginning of a new one. And, you know, if you had to, if you had to just discuss like why Rome fell, like you were saying, you would know that things like this would come up. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah, anxiety and depression because people don't know what meaning is, and um, but back to the the Christian idea that you know things are made good, life is good. Um, that is why. That's like the fundamental structure of um, like even like why democracy is worth building because life is good. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so like if you don't have that, you don't have anything. But um, it also goes into things like why the difference between man and woman are good, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just inevitable and like we can change it if we want to. Um, but yeah, so like last week we were talking about this, this ultimately becomes a religious question. Yeah. yeah. That, that isn't, that is interesting though. The, the Christian, uh, I guess the fundamental Christian tenant that existence is good. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a philosophical mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. Everything that exists mm-hmm. is good. It's mm-hmm. different than necessarily moral goodness, uh-huh. but it is still good that it, it exists. Right. Um, and sort of the the Christians really holding on to that and asserting right. that uh, it it is good that you it is good that you exist as, yeah. as a person. Yeah. And um, but it's it's you know memes. Memes, I do think, point to something deeper. And sure. you do see a, a fair amount of uh, nihilistic memes. It's like, mm-hmm. I actually would rather not exist. Yeah, for kind sure. Kind of memes. And it's yeah. like, everyone kind of laughs, uh-huh. and, you know, it's like, th- yeah. that's funny. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> true. But, right, but the reason why some people laugh is because they feel that they way. They relate, at least. Right, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, I actually would rather not exist because it's too expensive to be alive. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh. it, it, we're living in, as she quotes, you know, the, the capitalistic hellscape. Yeah, yeah, um, right. And to reorient it and say, no, no, it, it is good that you, you are here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Who said hell is other people? Sartre. Sartre. Uh, Sartre, yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, like capitalistic hellscape. It's like, yeah, that that everything would be a hellscape to you if you saw like anything other than yourself as yeah. bad. Well, this yeah. was, um, I'm going to kind of switch gears here, but it's also related. Um, basically. Basically related. <laughs> ha. Um, I was, uh, um, I, I was, uh, this past week, I was a little bit. I was on a little bit of a sci-fi kick, uh, doing some research. Um, How's that different from any other week of your life? <laughs> <laughs> other weeks are fantasy. Oh, okay. <laughs> this one's sci-fi. No, excuse me. Actually, sci-fi would actually be. You can argue it's like a subset of yeah, fantasy. I thought but, nice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I read an article because it was uh, on uh, science fiction um, because it was the uh, f- this year marks the 55th anniversary of uh, Kubrick's. Um, 2001 a space odyssey mm-hmm. i don't know if you've seen that uh um, yeah i think it's been a while yeah uh yeah 55 years ago mm-hmm. 
But it's kind of st- still considered like one of the best sci-fi films ever made. Um, and uh, so I was just thinking about like the nature of sci-fi, and I was reminded of a quote by um, C.S. Lewis that I can't find now. <laughs> um, but he, uh, C.S. Lewis was um, essentially um, saying that um, sci-fi at its best reveals um, human nature um, and, and uses technology as a foil um, to highlight something about human mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. And so, like, you know, one, a, a really good example is um, that movie um, Ex Machina, mm-hmm. um, where one of the characters um, is revealed to actually be a, um, a robot with, um, you know, high AI. Um, and um, the central character is confused about, like, who's human and who's not. And so he even begins to, like, cut himself to see if he's mm-hmm. made of wires. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, ends up bleeding. But... Um, but like that, you know that that's a good example of how um, technologies um, can become so advanced um, that we then question who who are yeah. we, right? Mm-hmm. And why I say this is relates kind of is that like you know uh, I think the correlation between the rise of technology mm-hmm. and depression, um, you know, is, that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if we're um, softening our humanity by putting these layers of skin, mm-hmm. right? Um, is like we then have this existential crisis of like who who are we? Yeah, for sure. Um, if technology can just we it, it, we could turn it on and off. It's around mm-hmm. us all the time. Um, mm-hmm. We start to meld with that more. Yeah, and then our humanity is less important than what it would be without right. technology. Right. Yeah. Um, the thing is that technology always accelerates. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not like we're living in a unique time where technology. Got better. No, like right, it's still, right. It's always been getting better. But human nature stays the same. Right. But what you see right. now is that like life is not linear like that. It's cyclical. And that we're like, even though if we started from day zero to now, like technology has always advanced. But why is it that we feel like we're at the end of something and then going to like, why are we having an existential crisis now? Whereas that like 15, 20 years ago, that, that graph of depression was not as mm-hmm. spiky. Is because we're going through like a cycle and we're going to restart that. We're going to like, there's going to be something that happens that we come together, find more meaning because of the utility of whatever, whatever it is, war. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be bad. Um, like, you know, the founding of America was a good thing, but like that was the end of a cycle. Um, but yeah, so it's like technology is always doing that to us. And we're just kind of riding this wave and noticing that we're like at the edge yeah. of the cliff. Yeah. But then, um, you know, things like sci-fi and fantasy are, are kind of pulling out that idea that t- technology is the catalyst for that about turn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it right, is the, right. the the way that we get to this edge is because technology has gotten so yeah. much. The, yeah. the Babel Tower is that high now. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It makes me uh, think of Dune again. You know, it's like, it seems like they progressed to the point of very sophisticated AI. Yeah. And then they had a war right. <laughs> that, like, res- yeah. that restarted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, civilization yeah. essentially right. uh, i mean not from ground zero but yeah, like yeah. no more ai mm-hmm. like kind of thing we're, we're doing something else so i think i think um let's see i'm trying to work through this now um no no if because i i do yeah i think I, I get what you're saying that like you know technology is always um increasing um but there does seem to be uh a sense of finality in the times that we're living now, and I know, you know, people in various centuries mm-hmm. could have always said that, but there's a sense of um, universality and um, like oneness that mm-hmm. we're moving towards. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that is really apocalyptic yeah. compared to like, you know, like, okay, go back like 700, 1200 years ago. And it's like, you know, like the technology of using um, a, a bucket to get your water. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe, you know, like it makes life easier and it could, um, but maybe it takes away something of like, you know, actually like, you know, working harder for yeah, the water for sure. that you get. Uh-huh. And so it takes away some of that meaning. Uh-huh. Um, but these were like, I feel like it was more isolated. Whereas like in the 20th century, I remember walking, watching this documentary by James May, the guy who, mm-hmm. one of those top year presenters, um, mm-hmm. British guy. And um, he argued that in, in 2020, well, didn't argue really. It was just showcasing transportation. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, the way he opened it up, um, this documentary was like, in the 20th century, the world got smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and he essentially was saying that like, you know, the, the uh, uh, innovations of um, planes, mm-hmm. trains, mm-hmm. automobiles, all that stuff yeah. um, made the world less um, vast. And now right. you can go to Paris. And yeah. this was like unprecedented mm-hmm. for all of human history. Mm-hmm. Now we're on this other horizon where it's, like social media now, like we have friends going back yeah. to you know friends, mm-hmm. um, connections across the globe. Mm-hmm. Then we have, you know, all these like the talks of like AI um, and like these brain chips mm-hmm. to connect us to um, the internet that right. then is global. Um, yeah, yeah, and like a so, hive mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I feel like like something is like we're moving towards this, and I, I think it's apocalyptic mainly because the main goal of Christ's mission on earth was to unify all people. Mm-hmm. That was his main goal, is to, right. to unify. It's like, when I am lifted up on a cross, right. all men, I will draw all men to myself, mm-hmm. right? And like so like this ultimate, it's like theosis, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah, what we yeah. believe. The divinization of all men. Mm-hmm. We're doing that without God right now. Yeah. Um, and so we're moving towards this place where we're getting to this unification of like, um, that our, our spirits are yearning for, mm-hmm. In a godless way, yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. so, like you know, like right now, but that is to... Babel. Like that's yeah, like Babel sure. was the the hyper unity without God, and then the flood came. Like it is, yeah. like it is apocalyptic to say. Like maybe you're talking grand scheme apocalypse. Like this is the last one, but every cycle has had that apocalyptic nature where it gets to a point where everybody's unified. Like the printing press, like yeah. things have their cycle where they get so crystallized and lose that transcendent high point and then they shatter again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I know, no, I know. And it's so easy to be like... You this know, is different than right, last right, time. Right, exactly. yeah. like, It's 2023. I can't yeah. see what 50 years yeah, will yeah, bring. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I can't imagine it yeah. being more, but then some yeah. crazy person... Well, and, the thing yeah. is like, it, on, <laughs> on the out. one hand, it's different and on, on the one hand, it's the same. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it yeah. is cyclical because it has the same pattern, but it is in a different time. So it's yeah. going to be different. Yeah. And you are you are right that this this technology has shrunken the the world so that we have access to everything at any point in time. Uh and so that seems like it's the the cycle we're on now is more global than maybe like the fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that the United States wasn't around as an an like an established country to know what was going on there. Yeah. So it's like these like mini apocalypse all seem like they're like turning into one big one but maybe this is the last one and maybe not you know like yeah maybe like all of a sudden jupiter's like oh by the way we have four billion people on here that you didn't know about and <laughs> jupiter <laughs> is a gas planet <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're weird people hey, but... uh, so is uh best uh best <laughs> <Bespin. Bespin. laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. cloud city yeah there's, there's little floating platforms yeah. all over yeah. yeah lando's on there <laughs> he's on jupiter um 
have, have you ever played um <laughs> have you ever played a <laughs> Deus Ex um Human Revolution? No, no, okay. I know Revolution. Okay. Um, Human Revolution. Is it? Yeah, I thought you said Revolution. No, not Revolution. Well, um, no, because I was just reminded. Um, there's a subplot in a uh, side story in, mm-hmm. in that game where um, uh, you 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 actually try to convince um this person to not upload her consciousness into mm. um a, a huge um like hive yeah. mind mind thing. of like and she already like you go into this like cathedral looking place mm. um and uh she has like 30 people hooked up to like this like machine Jeez. and she's going to connect herself to it and then like turn on this machine mm. and it's going to like upload their mind to like to be unified but it's um the whole thing is um a, a religious thing so she mm-hmm. she uses religious language in it and everything. It's really fascinating. She ends up doing it and then killing everybody and like explodes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, okay. So there's the the morality um, story there. So anyway, that was just on my mind. Good game. Good game. Nice. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts? On that bombshell. Oh my god. There's a yeah. As you said earlier, Matt. Like, there's so much you could say about yeah. like all these topics. You know, when you were. Uh, Father, when you were talking about just how connected the world is now, it's like, well, that's probably part of it as well. It's just mm-hmm. we know too much. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. can go and look up all kinds of GoPro footage and drone footage of the war in Ukraine right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. You know, it's like there, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, well, right. You know, you didn't yeah. know, like, you heard stories, obviously, but you yeah. never, like, now you can go and watch those things. You mm-hmm. know, if there's a bombing in a city, you know about it. There's a killing, you know about it. Yep. Even yeah. in your, you know, uh, your town, right. I mean, you know, Charlotte might be, you know, whatever, 50 miles from you. You mm-hmm. still learn, oh, there's a killing in Charlotte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it's just and, too much information sometimes. Right. And not only, like, you know, just around the world, but, like, you know, as um, space technology gets um, more advanced, too, like, you know, we have all this footage of, like, the galaxy that we can just tap into at any second. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what the uh, Hubble Space Telescope is looking at now, and it's, like, right. billions of light years away. Mm-hmm. I think like what we risk is that as we zoom out more and more on the cosmos, mm-hmm. um, we don't remember that the cosmos is within us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. In a sense, the you real know? journey is the, within. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but no, I think that is a real temptation. Is that like the more global we become, the more depersonalized we become. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we forget to look inside ourselves. Yeah. So. Anyway. Good stuff. Lots to think about. I'm mildly depressed now, but yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You're. Part of Gen Z and the Millennials. So. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's jump to the bonus episode. Uh, if you guys want to hear that, that is, you can sign up at basicallyrelated.com. We'll see you next week.